Hi, my name is Michelle Gilbert. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Oya Femtech Apparel. And to me, Femtech is using healthcare technology and all the advances that we've made in healthcare to create products and services that help women lead more healthy and comfortable lives because that's important. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today's episode, I interview Mitch Gilbert, CEO and founder of Oya Femtech Apparel. Mitch is obsessed with helping women get through their day comfortably, so she is changing the rules on how leggings work, my favorite piece of clothing. Oya Femtech Apparel is based out of UCLA and was born in a fashion lab. They are engineering for women's health, style, functionality, and comfort. Think breathability, silky, leak absorbent, and curve shaping. But Oya is creating more than just comfortable leggings. They are on a mission to create technical clothes that support women's health, specifically vaginal health. Oya helps to give all women more control over their vaginal health and create safe spaces to discuss feminine hygiene. You can check out the products at weareoya.com. That's W-E-A-R-O-Y-A.com. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Mitch. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? I am doing good. It's a new year, a lot of opportunities. I'm hoping that it's better than 2020 and excited to be here. Oh my gosh. So excited. I am actually currently wearing yoga pants. So uh, I'm just, I'm dressed for the occasion today and I'm wearing a shirt that says, uh, may the funding be with you and a little button that says I'm an investor because you and I met via uh, editing your pitch deck. So I just feel like I, I dressed for you today for the interview. I appreciate the love and support. <laughs> well, Mitch, I want to start off um, before we get into your company and we have so many awesome things to talk about. And you and I just, we're on the same energy wavelength. Um, we're already 15 minutes into our scheduled interview <laughs> because we just can't stop talking. Um, so uh, let's start with your background though. So where are you from? You know, where did you grow up? What did you study? Did you have a career before you started Oya? Like, how did you end up here? Yeah, so I'm a second year MBA student at the UCLA Anderson School of Management. And I actually uh, joined Anderson after really falling in love with sportswear. I had done a previous clothing line where I dressed men and women but I re quickly realized I didn't know anything about writing a business, much less fashion. And so I applied to business school and I got a full ride to come here and build this business. So this past year, and this is my second year, has been really a big journey of growth. And I'm just super excited about those opportunities. So are you Before using your MBA as like a uh, accelerator? Yes. That's amazing. I love that. I've heard of several, there's at least one other founder I know of that he came up with an idea, went to MBA school because he knew that they would have to work on projects. And he was like, I just thought I'd always bring up my idea. We'd always just work on my project. And for two years, like he had all these MBAs working on his company. He graduated and then, you know, wow, I love it. I love it. I love a hustle girl. Hustle. All right. Yeah. You're in I school. Yeah, I, I just think as like a, a woman founder, especially a woman of color, I don't necessarily come from a place where there's a lot of support, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I think UCLA Anderson was a really great school for me because they were one of the uh, first schools where I felt like had a concrete program around how to help you build a business. And so that's why I'm here. Um, before Anderson and UCLA, I was a consultant at Deloitte for four years. Uh, before that, I did Teach for America in Detroit, Detroit, where I built a NASA endorsed robotics team. So like 
I've always been super hands-on oriented and I really always love projects and like building businesses and things like that. And then uh, previous to that, I graduated from the University of Chicago uh, with a bachelor's in public policy. So always thinking about how do things help people? How do we help people live better and like healthier lives, more fulfilling lives? And I grew up in Philadelphia, home of cheesesteaks and hoagies. <laughs> Yes. Oh man, a good Philly cheesesteak. I'm from Jersey. There ain't nothing like it. Nothing like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, what is Oya? So we make so Oya Fintech Apparel is our first stab at creating the world's first fintech legging. So we're again born out of UCLA and born in a fashion lab, and we engineer for women's health, style functionality and comfort. So we make leggings. Um, and when you think about our leggings, I want you to think breathable, leak absorbent and curve shaping because we're as a company really obsessed about helping women get through their day comfortably. And we're trying to build a community around this idea of how do you support feminine health with functional apparel. Mm -hmm. Now the paradigm is that yoga pants are the most comfortable, the most casual piece of clothing you could ever wear, right? So why are you arguing that yoga pants are not comfortable or not healthy for women? In theory, they are comfortable. <laughs> yeah. and we all know that. However, uh, there's a lot of women excluded from being able to embrace that comfort. And even if it's like basic things, think about the fact that most leggings are made out of spandex blends, right? And so they trap moisture and which leads to bacterial growth. And most women, especially if they have curvy thighs, are just like, say less. They completely understand, which makes them hyperexposed to issues like um, bacterial vaginosis or yeast infections or things like that. And so an example of this is when we first started the company, um, I was actually at the OBGYN's office because I used to get yeast infections because I was a collegiate athlete, essentially, and um, I had played with Olympians. And so I'm always training, like doing pull-ups and well, when the gyms were open, doing pull-ups and these things. Mm -hmm. And at business school, I was at the OBGYN and she's like, man, you know who could really benefit is these D1 women athletes. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, they're always here because they're always having issues like yeast infections and BV. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, no one talks about it. But she's like, I tell them it's because they're always in these leggings. Yeah. And so we did a lot of research and we found that the average legging makes women two times more likely to contract vaginal health issues, especially if you're in leggings all the time. And also if you have chronic illnesses, so for example, it's difficult for you to like move your legs or you have a lot of sweat in those, those areas, or if you're a recent mom and you're suffering from issues like stress incontinence, where there's a lot of moisture just going down there already. So there was no real product to address all of these things in a comfortable way. And so we really, uh, I think the best way to describe it is the average legging is made out of four to five panels and panels are things like where a seam is essentially, I don't know if you can see on my t-shirt. Our legging has 16 panels, 16, wow. literally four times the average competitor, all with the idea in mind around how do you create breathability and how do you absorb all this moisture so that way your vagina can stay dry. Yeah. I uh, love that explanation. And I think that most of our listeners, uh, you know, are women that probably were like, oh, I know secretly why yoga pants aren't good because it gets hot and sweaty and it just traps it all up in there, but we don't talk about it. And for any of our men listeners, you've probably never even heard about this. You probably were like, wait, I thought women loved yoga pants. They love wearing them, but actually like it's very high risk. It's 2X the high risk, right? You're just saying. So um, I know for myself, when I played sports in high school, that was like the time I had the most yeast infections in my life because I would, you know, change into my uh, like running shorts or whatever, um, yoga pants style. And after school, what's that? 2.30, 3 o'clock, practice for three and a half hours and then take the bus home for 30 minutes, get be hungry. So I'd eat dinner and then I'd be, I was in sweaty yoga pants that had trapped all my sweat and you know it resulted in not feeling good about myself and I was just like what the hell's wrong with like me <laughs> you know like all the other skinny girls they wear yoga pants all the time and it's like no they probably were struggling too but 
Yeah, and it's embarrassing and frustrating, but I think that part of this is because um, the industry term for sportswear is like shrink it and pink it, right? So it's like our leggings are a derivative of men's athlete athletic wear and they just shrink <laughs> pink. And then if you're thinking about Lululemon coming out with the first yoga fabric in like the 80s, early 90s, like much hasn't changed since then. And so you... It's, I don't want to blame the patriarchy, but you know, but vaginal health, if I, I really genuinely believe if everyone supported vaginal health and people were just kinder to the vaginas around us, the world would be a better place. You know, I just really- That's my mission. That's my mission. I'm just like, give the vulva more respect. Like everyone will work out. Everyone will feel better. Um. So you're, so we're talking about this correlation between yoga pants, the material holding moisture, being very tight and, uh, you know, constricting, um, leading to vaginal health problems. Can you tell me some of the statistics around, so you said, uh, yeast infection, you said BV, what does BV stand for? So BV is bacterial vaginosis. And so that essentially means that you have an overgrowth of bacteria, uh, in your, vagina and it's not your vagina has good bacteria and bad bacteria so bv is saying you have an overgrowth of bad bacteria mm. and that bac bacteria is actually thriving in an environment where there's less oxygen so realistically your vagina should be very ventilated that's why OBGYNs are always saying um wear cotton because it's moisture absorbent and it's very ventilated. And when there's air, good bacteria is thriving. But when there's a lack of air, suddenly you have this bad bacteria that's like thriving off of the lack of air. And so it kills all the good bacteria. Yeah. Well, I have, so I have a question. I'm a woman who my inner thighs touch. I've never been a woman who like you could see through my head or my thighs. Okay. I don't have the window. Is okay. there any statistics or anything? This is a personal question is there, uh, for myself. Is there any statistics that like that affects the ventilation? Like if you are a woman who's a little heavier set, like you're blocking airflow. No, there hasn't been, I haven't seen, and trust me, I, I probably would be the person that knows because I've spent like, like literally a year like investigating these statistics, but I have not seen any statistics particularly about uh, thigh gaps. But what I have found is that women who are heavier overall um, tend to have more issues because they have more moisture being trapped. Mm. So I'm assuming that just like deductive reasoning that if you have thigh gaps and, and right there, that means that there's, there's probably more sweat pooling in that area than women yeah. who have thigh gaps. And yeah. so that might lead to when there's sweat, that's when things are being trapped and that leads to an overgrowth of bacteria. Uh, it sounds like you need an intern who studies thigh gaps. <laughs> I can see a thesis being written up about thigh gaps right now. <laughs> well, some of the other interesting statistics, I think, it, like BV, which I was just talking about, like a third of women at all time have that. So like what? literally right now, a third of women have BV. And sometimes people aren't necessarily aware that they have BV or like women are just like, oh, it's kind of like a cold, if that makes sense. Or like you're like vaginal imbalance is off. But like if a third of women at all point, if a third of men always had an issue with their penis, then, you know, that would be a public health like issue. And, and I'm not even making up statistics. This is from the CDC. Wow. And then like 75% of women like, oh, like are going to get like, uh, you know, uh, BV or yeast infections. Those are the most common issues like throughout their lifetime. And it's just like, why does no one talk about this? Or recent moms go all the way up to, um, up to 40% of recent moms, depending upon the study, suffer from stress incontinence after they have a baby, uh, anywhere up to five years after giving birth. So there are women who literally can't pee correctly or they're just peeing when they sneeze for up to five years. That, those are crazy statistics. That is crazy. And I wonder what the like socio like psychology is behind, like, why are we not talking about it? You know, because I feel like there's this societal pressure that like vaginas and vulvas need to be like clean. They need to like smell good. They need to have like no discharge unless you're squirting, then that's acceptable. Like, you know, like what the book depending upon your, your makeup, you know? Yeah. 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 And, um, like, 
so I now like, you know, I feel like there's also this struggle to like get men to like go down on women. And so like, if we also complain about what actually happens down there, maybe men will be less inclined. I don't know. I just feel like there's so many layers of like women trying to like show the world like, oh no, no, my vagina is clean. Like, please, you know, like, please love it. Be kind to it. You know, I will shave it. I'll clean it. Um, you know, do all these things to it. You know, there's all of these like um, hygienic things like uh, vaginal steaming that you don't need to have in your life. Obviously, you're like anti-vaginal steaming. You're like the steam's the issue. <laughs> no, I think steam's good though, because it, it's so <laughs> it like helps clean it. Like, I think it's just a more so when you sit in that moisture yeah, you know? yeah. and you have and yoga pants like, on That's right. like, <laughs> but like if you're into vaginal steaming I support you just take a shower afterwards and yeah. <laughs> that's right don't put your yoga pants on right after and then not shower that's the issue right yeah. right well um you know something else I wanted to talk about was uh diversity in yoga pants. Um, so you and I, we had a call a few weeks ago. I was mentoring you, coaching you on your pitch deck. We were going through slide by slide. We were looking at your competitor slide. And I said, let's look up some of these competitors. You, you know, what about this one? What about that one? We, and we went to some of their websites and, and I'm, I'm obviously you were there. You remember this. I'm telling the story for our listeners. So we go to a few of these websites of different, uh, yoga pants competitors and, all of their websites contained these pictures of very fit women. They were white women. They were in just a sports bra in the yoga pants. They were drinking this like super expensive little latte, like smoothie thing. They were laughing. They had long, luxurious white girl hair and the yoga pants were like $200. And I was like, "Uh, what is oh my gosh, like this is a very specific type of person they're all targeting. And then we went to Mitch's website and you have women of every color of all shapes doing all different types of things. And I just felt like, oh, like this is for like the everyday woman. (laughs) So can we talk about diversity in the yoga pants industry? Yeah, or even diversity of of women in fashion overall, right? Like very difficult. And and part of this is because of uh, these things called skews. So when you design a garment, it typically like you, you're fitting it on one particular body type. So you can have a garment that's made to look best on one particular like size and potentially height. And if you want to start getting away from that, so, so a lot of companies, what they typically do is design for women who are shaped like rectangles. So if you think about models, they're tall and they're shaped like a rectangle. Everyone else is supposed to conform with that because that's the only body type that they really designed for. Um, So when you start bringing in diversity of different sizes, of different shapes, of different heights, that means that you suddenly need to start accommodating different skews. So like, for example, if you have a woman who's shorter, then you need a petite line. And so that's a whole nother skew count in terms of inventory than the woman who's a rectangle, who's an average height. Or if you have a woman who is, uh, you know, uh, what is this, an hourglass, that means you need a different fit because you have to accommodate her butt because she's not a rectangle. So like, otherwise the leggings would pinch in on her hips and things. And so that's the whole nother new line. And so a lot of these companies to save money, typically designed for the same woman. And then because those are the only options really available on the market, everyone else is expected to conform to that. Mm-hmm. So as a startup, we're super like anti that. That's really just not even like our vibe because like that's the whole reason that we're in the game, right? Because it's like we embrace diversity. We want it to be amazing. And so we being in business school has been a, a, a fantastic experience because they work really hard. I mean, granted, there could be more women. There could be more women of color. I'm not saying that the business environment is perfect, but I will say that UCLA Anderson does try to get a lot of different ethnicities and people represented here. And so we've done a lot with diversity of different body types and we've played with it. Our legging is even best shaped. It's called the shape fit right now. It's best designed for women with triangle shapes and women with like hourglasses because those aren't really leggings that you find on the market everything else is really designed for a rectangle with that 
it's also like as a startup, you have limited resources, right? Yeah. So it's not necessarily like you can come out with every single skew count to accommodate every different body size. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that we currently are still like playing with because we just recently did a photo shoot with about like six or seven, eight women who are very diverse. We had like a boxer. We had a, we had a latte blonde girl with long hair. <laughs> Listen, the latte girls, they need vaginal health too. So <laughs> Exactly. She was, um, we had shorter women, we had them all. And, you know, our legging looked different in all of these different women, but like, they were just also happy to be there. And we had photos of them. And that was actually our highest performing photo on our, um, our Instagram and people we didn't even know were reaching out to us trying to like buy the product. And they were just so excited to see that message of inclusion, because I think a lot of millennials and Gen Zers are about that message. I just think that, that is something that Oya really wants to grow into. Like as we evolve and we get more inventory, we really want to intentionally create garments that accommodate different sizes. Cause it's not just about showing them in the picture. It's actually designing for that woman in mind. So you can create a product that makes her look good and emphasizes her assets. Well, something that um, my marketing director, Allie, is predicting for 2021, that the trend will be for marketing is more authenticity. 2020 showed us that polished is privileged because when we first went into lockdown and all the rich and famous started going in an Instagram live being like, we're in this together. People were like, shut up. You like have millions in savings. You're in your mansion, like shut up. And I feel like we really swung into this, like, Hey, here's my real life. Look what it looks like, you know? Yeah. I, and it's interesting because we've actually, so we're in LA, right? So like, we're kind of like the Hollywood central. So when we're yesterday, we were shooting a commercial and right after shooting the commercial, we then jumped into shooting a TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. And videographer is like, well, what do you need with this? Because he has like this whole camera set up. And I'm like, Brian, this is TikTok. I don't need like Hollywood level production. And, and to him, it's like this completely like he's like, I don't understand you kids. Like everything else was about a story and having a whole production and things. And now like, it's just about a dance little dance just (laughs) yes and I think you know there's room for both in that sense like I think you user generated content that's not necessarily high like well produced or anything like that that resonates with people like people just seeing real women walk around in leggings and things like that and squat that really resonates Mm. on the same note we are raising money you know and we are sitting in front of these investors that may be a little bit more old school and maybe used to certain looking at certain sorts of things and so it's like you need that aspirational content that's like a fully like produced commercial but then at the same time you also need that user-generated content which is like how you're identifying connected with millennials and potential gen zers sounds like you're playing the game which is always my advice hey listen if you need the money this is how you're going to have to tell your story, get the money and then do whatever the hell you want, you know, but like, you got to play the game. You got to hustle it. But, um, I, I do want to ask you though, about, we are seeing, you know, femtech as this new industry, which is crazy. It shouldn't be new, yes, but it, it is, shouldn't be new. um, <laughs> shouldn't be new, but it is, um, we, uh, have about maybe six actual femtech funds in the world again insane but you straddle this like see like consumer product goods fashion but also health right because if you were only focused on clothing and profit margins maybe vaginal health material and you know wouldn't be necessarily the priority but in the health industry it would but if you're in health you're not necessarily thinking about cloth so like how are you how are you working with that That is a really great question. And (laughs) it also kind of sits in the intersection of tech, right? Like not traditional tech because it's like not like software or anything like that, but it is FemTech. Like you are thinking about like how like 16 panels, that's engineering, right? Like you need to re-engineer how a legging works. Um, And it's interesting speaking to some of these investors who have a very particular like way of looking at tech or a very particular way of looking at health because suddenly I can't tell you how many investors who I've met with who are men who are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But then they come back and they're like, my daughter really liked this presentation or, oh, my wife was potentially having some of these issues. And, and I think, um, 
beyond the distinctions between tech, healthcare, and uh, CPGs, I think it's almost like a question of like, what diversity of women sit in these rooms? Because mm-hmm. we've noticed that like, when we explain ourselves, it's typically women that advocate on our behalf. So in one competition, like um, Milken, in which we raised like 20K, we weren't like, uh, we, the other two judges were men, the moderator was a man, and then one of the judges was a woman. We didn't necessarily rank top of mind in the men's mind, right? But later on, we learned that that woman went to bat for us, right? She was like, yeah. this could be like Spanx. She's like, these are issues that I see that I face, women that I've known have faced and things like that. And I think part of what you see in this investor world is that there are not a lot of women involved. There's not necessarily a lot of women of color. And, and they're not necessarily in the position where they can push the industry in a way that's more inclusive of women. And, and that's to your point of like fintech tech is new. No, it's not. It really shouldn't be new. But who oversees healthcare overall? And so when we when we're thinking about investors that we're potentially interested in talking to, we're really interested in women. Like like Serena, like you know Serena, you probably had a yeast infection. Serena. Yeah. But like just women who like who are out there who are doing it, trying to live comfortable lives, who are recent moms who've like seen these things because it, it, it's almost like do I necessarily want to put all my energy into changing the mind of an old dude who has no idea what I'm talking about, who like, isn't even necessarily that interested? Yeah, I know. And it just is such a, it's, it's such a PETA pain in the butt because like, uh, most of the men are the ones with the money. Right. And so there's like this, like, you know what, I'm not even going to bother trying to educate y'all. I'm just going to get money from women, but there is actually um, less than 1% of women in the United States that are accredited investors have ever invested in a startup. And so it's like, all of a sudden you limit yourself. And so then you have to go back on the pedestal. I just did a, a 2020 review, fem, uh, Femtech review. And I actually made a plea that it should not be on the founders to educate investors. It should be the Femtech organizations. So like, that's what I'm really working on, you know, creating Femtech angels so we can in, like educate, educate, educate. So when you come to pitch, you say, vaginal health's important. And here's how we're addressing it. And no one in the room needs convincing. They all say, yep. We've Brittany convinced us, right? You know? <laughs> no, and I think that that's super important is having those platforms. And I, I almost think of it not to take a parallel, but like I would be sad if I didn't bring this up, but like race in America right now, right? And it's like think about 2020 and the riots and um, I, riots is a strong word, protests. I would, I would say protests, but you know, other people have different definitions. Um, I think, you know, at that time, many people were asking me about like my role as like an entrepreneur and like as a black woman and like leading a team because I do lead a team. I have men, men of many different races. I have white men, I have like an Indian man. Like, so, but you know, it's hard to, when you put the burden on education of the people who are necessarily not, you know, who don't necessarily have the power, you're, you're shifting that mindset because then it's like the person with the power is not doing any work right they're not thinking about how they're part of the problem they're not thinking they're like they need to be convinced and so I think allyship and creating those platforms are things where it's like you're able to give people opportunities who are creating solutions to problems that many people solve and so I appreciate that you know yeah, so their homework, investors' homework for learning about the femtech industry could be like listening to this podcast, right? And so it's like, I'm putting in the effort to interview you, but their effort of learning is like listening to this every day, you know? We got like almost 100 episodes. There's plenty of hours for them to listen to. Yeah, and and I, you know, when I think about great allyship, like Megan Rapino, I'm a, I'm a fan, like genuinely just like a fan, but like, she just like puts herself out there, you know, and she's always thinking about like trying to like educate herself. And like, when I think about 2020, like 2021, that's, that's where I want to see us go. Like, can we all like just take more steps to like educate ourselves and to grow and to think about like, how do we create a better America where we all thrive? And you know, that includes vaginas. Like how do we create a better America where vaginas thrive? You know? Oh my God. (laughs) That's like my prayer. Every morning I wake up and I hit my knees and I say, please God, help all the vaginas. (laughs) Help them them grow, you know? Help the vaginas. 
<laughs> they need our help. They need our help. Um, so let me talk to you about, uh, we've been talking about yoga pants and I mean, you know, I didn't really think about like, when I think about what still needs innovating in femtech, yoga pants actually never came to mind until I got introduced to you. And then I was like, oh, of course, obviously they need, yeah, they need to breathe and, you know, totally an issue. What are other potential clothing that women wear uh, that, you know, could be causing us issues that we don't normally think about? We've just accepted it, you know? Well, I think uh, bras, like over 80% of women wear the wrong bra size, but, you know, that tends to be more of a have a health reaction the larger your boobs are. And that's particularly because of a skew count issue, right? Again, like designing clothes to fit women of different body types. You also get a lot of feedback about underwear. OBGYNs always like advise women to wear cotton underwear because it's breathable and absorbs moisture. And oil leggings have a removable pad and that's what's actually absorbing the moisture. It's cotton, you know, to try and keep women safe. Um, so things like uh, polyester underwear and things like that are more likely to trap moisture. Um, but I would even shift this conversation to be less like uh, what clothes are causing women like necessarily like physical health as mostly more to think about it in terms of like mental health. I think women get a lot of pressure to look a certain way and to act a certain way. And as you see these celebrities getting so many um cosmetic surgeries or you seeing um you know clothing like advertised to make you look a certain way and like ship like suck this in and things like that I think what Oya stands for is really this idea of creating functional uh, functional clothing that helps women move about their day comfortably and thinking about that as like a perspective like when you think about your clothes how does it functionally help you and and, and I think that the industry is not necessarily there so many things are like oh does this woman look sexy or like da, 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 da. like I think when women are comfortable and healthy that they're probably more powerful than necessarily just being sexy and so like I think put pockets on things you know you know oh like God, more pockets please Yes. And so I, I, I think that would be something that I'd be curious to see where the apparel industry goes and, and not to put so much pressure on women to conform and look a certain way. Absolutely. I love this. You really sparked something in my mind because 2020, we've mostly spent it at home in sports bras. I've talked to a lot of women who are like, I've given up bras for like four months now. I don't know if I'm putting anything on next year, you know, um, heels. I haven't worn heels in months and used to live in those. Right. And so I wonder like when the world opens back up, what about women's fashion is going to change because women are like, listen, heels, really hurt my ankles, you know, or I remember I had a friend whose mom like had to have these surgeries on her feet because she wore heels for decades and she got all these like bone issues in her feet, you know? Um, so heels, I'm even thinking about, uh, thongs, like that should it like, is that healthy? Is that no like, wh why do we have wedgies? <laughs> like, I'm still, I'm trying to think about like, why do we have this? And I, a majority of my underwear admittedly are thongs. And I think to myself, like, would it, I like another, like, what am I, why do I wear them? <laughs> you know? like, yeah. And, and I think there's a lot of, I think, so there's a, there's a, a saying that, um, that a famous designer once said, it's like women design clothes for women to wear and like do things and men design clothes for women to, to like look at. So for women to be pretty, right? And so if you're thinking about like the evolution of a lot of fashion for women, like this idea of like runway catwalks and things like that, which were really invented by a lot of men designers. It was like designed for women to like look pretty or Victoria's Secret, another thing owned by men. And like, I feel like they were some of the biggest advocates of the thong, you know, like in the catwalks and everything. The underwire. Who the hell wants to wear wire on your body? like that make you look more pretty which is how men yeah. design things and men have a very big uh hold in the fashion industry like mm. part of why leggings have not really been designed in such a way to make women healthy is that there's a dearth or like a, a lack of women designers right mm. and so you would think that in women's clothing there'd be more women who'd be like pushing to like get the industry in, in like a more comfortable place but Often it's not even Steve Madden making these heels for women. They're, they're typically men. And that's part of the problem. Yes. Wow. 
So interesting. I'm a scientist. Uh, so fashion has never been <laughs> my forte. It's not something in front of mine, but like at time and time again, we're seeing, you know, uh, women-centered design needs a priority. And I think about that a lot of times in terms of medical devices. I just spoke to a founder the other day who's innovating a medical device to help with C-sections to help open the, the woman's, you know, essentially her core to get the baby out. And I said, what med devices are they using right now? He said, oh, they just take like a bunch of different like abdominal med devices and they've like they use those, but there is no med device made for C-sections, even though millions of women have it every year. And it, so when I think of women-centered design, I think of that, but women-centered design is also yoga pants, right? It's like, hey, vaginas are not like the top of your thighs. They have different needs, right? And the material that cover them should accommodate that, right, accordingly. Yeah, girl, you preaching to a choir. I didn't know <laughs> section things but like I, I don't have a baby myself but the longer I get into the building this the legging game and I talk to these recent moms I'm just like ah. and, and then I, I think there's also layers of like a socioeconomic that status at play here right like who gets the best health care who gets the best legging and so something like what we really tried to do was try to make our leggings affordable and so $85 $89 is like you know that's a high price point for a lot of women but like when we first designed our leggings they were $150 and we were like who this is a very are we saying only a certain demographic of women get to have healthy vaginas and so we worked really hard to try and bring that price point down and and, and I just it's just yes I agree with you women-centered design is important. And I think it's also important that that be affordable, you know, for yeah. lots of women. It's not a luxury to have things that are made for you. Right. Except right now, especially in regards to health, it is. Oh, and, oh it is. I'm saying that's my, that's my manifestation mm-hmm. for the future. <laughs> what are some of your future goals for Oya? Yeah, I'm really excited to release different um, leggings. So eventually like a a pre-legging. So that way, you know, back to this like diversity piece, like uh, shorter women feel more comfortable in those sorts of styles. And like, we've gotten a lot of questions about that. So once we get inventory up, that's something we want to expand into. Also this idea of like building a community. I, you know, I frequently get pushed where people are like, do you really want to say the word vagina? That's like too like hardcore. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of get where you're coming from. But at the same time, no, you know, like this yeah. is <laughs> yeah. like, No, like I really want people to understand vagina is not a bad word. And so how do you create (laughs) where people embrace them, you know, and um, something else that I'd be really excited about is our new, uh, is it, is our next uh, fit. So right now, shape fit, our leggings again are designed for triangles and hourglasses, but we want to come out with a slim fit line and that's more so for like rectangles and potentially circles. And so that way, again, we're bringing in that diversity. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And yeah, make vagina mainstream, right? I love that because um, you never, (laughs) I was thinking about the other day, like, you know how kids are just hooligans out there. They're always drawing penises. First of all, they're always circumcised, which I think tells you about like, it's mostly Americans drawing them for some reason. Um, <laughs> like they're never, I've never seen a doodle of an uncircumcised penis, but also like I never see doodles of uh, vulvas around, you know, or a, a clitoris, like mostly because people don't know what it looks like. Um, also like, let's just go out and like tag everything with like vaginas like let's draw vulvas all over the place i'm down whoever wants to we'll wear masks and stand six feet apart let's go like chalk up streets of major cities with pictures of vulvas um that's an idea just came up with for real i might tell sue when we want to do that uh but the other thing is um uh i found a, a company was called clit health and uh, it was recommended to me by this a boomer, a woman, older, older woman who was like, oh, do you know this company? The name is kind of, kind of, uh, you know, just, oh, it's called, Clit, it's called Clit Health. Ugh. And I was like, oh, well, what does Clit Health do? She goes, sexual education. And I wanted to be like, sounds like the clitoris is like probably a pretty important part of their sex ed platform. <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. Health sounds like an appropriate name for it. 
Yeah, I heard, I read somewhere, and you can tell me this is probably more up your wheelhouse than mine, but like a third of women have never had an orgasm. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. What? No, I know. I know. I know. I know. It's like, <laughs> it's on, if, if a third of men had never ejaculated, we would be in World War Five by now um, like, <laughs> because they are ejaculating and we're still almost pushing towards a world war three at different yeah. points so like yeah that I just know. makes me so sad i want everyone to have breathable pants and underwear and i want them all to be orgasming as often as they want to with no if, stream that's what i want I'm telling you if more women orgasm the world would be a better place <laughs> like, you should, I like, wonder if there's a correlation with like, I wonder if there was actually less orgasms decades ago and actually we are increasing it. Maybe it was like 50% versus 33%. And I wonder probably. if there's a correlation in like femtech and like orgasming for women. That That's an interesting project. Another intern, the correlation between orgasms and women-centered design. Yeah. And, and I, I also like, I do, I want to, like, I know I want to give a shout out for the men who like are out here, you know, like trying to help, like who are feminists and like, and like, I can speak for my team. Like I have four men on my team who are like, you know, like, 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 like an Indian guy, like he didn't really necessarily say the word vagina before he joined our company, but like now he's here and like, you know, his wife is like really on board his sister. And he's like really like an advocate and or like a a guy from, we have a white guy from Florida. Like that's not necessarily the first man who you think about as a a feminist, (laughs) you know, he's really on board. And, and so I just, it, it's also interesting because um, men like to buy our products as gifts. So we have like a lot of men who like click through, like actually our first customer was a man. Um, and, you know, we, we hear a lot of feedback from men who are trying to buy it for like their wives, you know, and things like that. And so I, I going in there for the women who have good men who are concerned about vaginal health and supporting their vaginas, like shout out to y'all. Cause you, you have won a jackpot and shout out to those men keep going. And, and also like for those men to like bring some of their friends along, you know, like yeah. there's a lot of men who recognize that women have value and how do we just like encourage that as a culture? That's right. And that is when we were talking about like uh, the burden of education. Like if some of the men who have come to realize all these issues we deal with, if they could talk to their bros about periods and, uh, you know, yeast infections, like take some of that burden off of us of the education and do it themselves too. Right. Yeah. 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 And I, cause there's so much pressure on women to be perfect. Like, oh. God, yes. Especially with the new year, new you, fitness, like looking super fit, and then the push-up bras and the tight yoga pants and the thongs, like, and also be happy about all of it and don't ever get sick or smell weird, you know, like. (laughs) Yeah, I was uh, watching this uh, show um, with a comedian and he, he was Indian and he was, he made this comment and he was like, in Hollywood, uh, white men are the only group of men who get to just be average looking. Like everyone else like has to like, you know, like they have to be super attractive. They have to have multiple talents. They have to like, uh, you know, uh, like you have the push-up bra, wear the tight pants, be wearing spanks, like not eat, like have six packs, whether you're men or women. And I was just like, He's right, because there's a lot of like in Hollywood, a lot of men who are just like, you know, like, bro, you I could have found you on a corner like you look like someone who is in my community. And and I think about how much women struggle, even my own struggle with being perfect, like making a mistake, like, you know how hard it is sometimes for me to be like, I made a mistake. Sometimes it keeps me from even doing anything, but you're not going to grow or do anything unless you make mistakes. And so I just think about those things. Yes. Oh my gosh. This is so much fun. We are definitely soul sisters. We're going to keep talking. I have two last questions for you that our listeners love. The first one is if someone, we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs that listen to the show. If someone wanted to start a femtech company, what's an area in women's health and wellness that still needs innovating? Ooh, I think the bra is where most people initially go, but again, skew count issues. And I think there's some like really great companies working on that. So third love already. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, mortality rates for like recent 
moms. Like when you look at like the number of women who are like passing, like from like poor healthcare, things like that, who just had babies, like, like the number, like, um, mom mortality rates have actually went up. Oh, like in our country. it actually like went up. So like, how old are you? I'm 29. Are we kind of the same age? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we, you and I are actually twice as likely to die from pregnancy and birth than our mothers. What? That's terrible. I need to stop. Like, I need you, whoever is going into this industry, go find a reason to like fix that. Like, that's just, that doesn't even make any sense. It makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, I mean, you're a woman of color and your chances are like way worse than mine too. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. Like, I don't know who needs to fix that, but I really (laughs) want someone to go look into that and like go fix it, you know? Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I love that. Let's let, I mean, cause that's not even like, I mean, yeast infections are important. Like I want to invest in you, right? Like I believe in this, but at the same time, like if someone's going to tell me like, oh, women are literally dying from sepsis because no one believes them when they have birth and blah, blah, blah. Like that's really freaking important, y'all. What is that? How did it go up? You're telling me science is getting better and yet more women are dying. Like, I don't even think SpaceX rockets are landing on boats. <laughs> like, yeah, and women are dying more. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's crazy. Our last question is um, What do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? Yeah, I think we touched on this, right? Like allies, Mm. right? But then, you know, I also struggle with that because I struggle with saying the power is in some random person who doesn't necessarily experience our symptoms, who them having a change of heart and then deciding to invest. And and, and I think about that specifically within like uh, the black community or like even Jewish community, like these communities of people or, or I think Asians do this very well too, where they hold their money together. Like they literally stick together and they invest in their own things. And they're like, you know, this may be small right now, but like, we're just going to continue to reinvest and we grow. And like, I like, I read the study, like the dollar stays in the Asian community in America for like so much longer than like other uh, different, different races. And so when I think about FinTech, maybe it's not really relying on these random people to like become educated and save us. Maybe it's like women spend our dollar in places that are, you know, operated by women and women like literally trying and, and like just within this community and like advancing it ourselves. And, and I think like that sort of like kick-ass attitude, like really championed by women like Serena and like Megan Rapino and things like that. Like, I think you see a lot more change. I love that because if we're going to convince the other 99% of women that are accredited investors, which means they're rich enough, they can make startup investments. um, If we're going to convince them, I think it's easier to convince them to invest in menopause startups or pregnancy mortality startups than like, hey, you should spend your money in a really high risk way over here on blockchain. Like that's probably not going to be as easy of a sell than if we say, hey, you know, yeast infections suck. And they say, yeah. And we're like, invest in these yoga pants, you know, like that's going to be way easier of a sell. We just have to find them. I just have to find those women. I need to go to like, I'm from Houston and like River Oaks is like the like really, really rich neighborhood. I want to just like walk around. Maybe that's where I'll draw the vulvas. (laughs) And underneath I'll say, invest today, call me. Yeah. And I don't, I think it takes a lot of courage for those women. Cause like in, in my, uh, within this business school community, they typically go into like a lot of tech and they're almost like hanging on. And it's like, I feel like a lot of times women are always playing catch up and it's like, kind of just, how about you just create your own lane and be less yes. focused on doing catch up. And, and I think that involves courage on their part. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I can't speak for that battle because I'm kind of just over here in my own lane anyway. Um, but I, I don't know where you find them because it requires courage. Yeah. Know? And I love this idea because we're about to launch a Femtech Angels to get accredited investors to like look at our deal flow. And um, I'm going to be the director of it. Right. And I was asking some people, what do you think about starting an angel network? Is it like the biggest pain in the butt ever? Or is it like really rewarding? And they said, it's all about the behavior of your members. Uh, but luckily you 
if you set the vision, if you set the tone, if you set the attitude that this is like a no judgment, vaginas are a normal thing we talk about on a daily basis. And like, if anyone is misbehaved, like you're out, you know, that could be that safe space to get these women involved in investing maybe. Sorry, I'm just thinking out loud now. (laughs) No, because then it becomes group therapy, right? Uh It's like, you're like, cause then that's, we find with Oya, like, it's interesting where we were having these what are these focus groups? And women are like, this is the first time that I'm allowed to talk about this or the first time where I feel comfortable. And women will pay where they feel comfortable. Yeah. And you said that you were like talking about your pants at a bar or something and a woman like ran up to you and were like, um, excuse me, uh, I need these for my vagina immediately. <laughs> that happened. I was like, it was COVID. And I was like, why are you standing so close to me? I literally don't even know who you are. Like, I was kind of like alarmed. But then like, she started asking questions on her Instagram. And I got that she was like an interested c- customer. And I was like, oh, and then, and then I got it because I was like, uh, you know, and it's interesting because it, we got our first batch of leggings and they like, they were sold out. Like, I can't do anything. I can't make it make, I can't poop leggings. You know what I mean? Like they were gone. Like they just like, they, that's what they happened. And then we got this like very interesting, like kind of nasty comment from this woman. She's like, you have this website up there, but you know what? You can't even buy inventory X, Y, and Z. But you know, I understood she wanted a pair because she was having problems, you know? And like, and my heart goes out to these women because there's so many women with problems who don't, they might not even necessarily have the words to describe their problem until someone literally puts it on a billboard like vaginas, leggings. These are issues I need you to think about. And then they're like, I need it. Moisture, bad. (laughs) I want to be there for those women and startup. We're just scrappy and we're doing the best we can to get them out there, you know? Mitch, you are amazing. Thank you so much for all you do. This has been awesome. Thank you. Same energy back towards you. Thank you for creating a platform for vaginas and like FinTech just overall. And and I think just really like pushing that mission out there. Like how do we create uh, opportunities and spaces for women to thrive, you know? Yeah, love it. Talk to you soon, Mitch. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my interview with Mitch Gilbert, CEO and founder of Oya FemTech Apparel. As someone who essentially only wears yoga pants now ever since March 2020, I can confidently say I cannot wait for these vagina conscious leggings to hit the market. I am grateful we finally have leaders in the fashion industry openly talking about how fabrics affect women's health, specifically our vaginal microbiome. My favorite quote from this interview was when Mitch said, if more women orgasmed, the world would be a better place. Girlfriend, I could not agree more. Alrighty, Fem fans, if you want to stay connected with Femtech Focus, then join our virtual community, which is growing like crazy. We recently launched our Fem Pro membership in our community group, which gives you access to our library of recorded Femtech content and free tickets to our Femtech Fundamental events, which are workshops done on a biweekly basis to help founders build, launch, and grow. We also have Monday night podcast listening parties, a Femtech book club, and weekly office hours on Clubhouse. To register for these services and events, go to femtechfocus.org and subscribe to our newsletter and join our virtual community right there on the homepage. While there, please consider setting up a recurring donation to Femtech Focus. We are a 501c3 nonprofit and rely on your donations to operate. Okay, Fem fans, until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.